0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Be turning in your Bibles The look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I trust that all of you that are on your phones are not texting. If you are, you should be ashamed of yourself. Shopping. Sending email. Doing office work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Checking out the uh, ESPN uh, app or whatever. <laughs> that you are only looking at the Bible verses that we're talking about on your phone, right? Amen. 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 Man, how exciting. Two baptisms and one afternoon here. This is a uh, good day today, guys. Today is uh, going to be a study where we're going to spend most of our time in Luke 7. what we're going to be looking at, I think will be good for us uh, in a a sense of studying this and looking at it, and uh, easy application in all of our lives, is the idea of Jesus dealing with different kinds of people and how He dealt with them. All of us deal with a whole range of people, right? Yeah. We have, uh, you know, easy relationships, difficult relationships. We have family relationships, work relationships, uh, you know, and on and on. We all have this sort of uh, this dynamic of how do you deal with people? Do you have someone in your life that's difficult for you to deal with? All of us do, right? Uh, You know, I I love my my teenagers down here. Uh, School was started about, what, three weeks ago or so. Uh, Any of you have a teacher that you think is uh, a bit of a knucklehead? It's okay to say yes. Yes. Uh, You know, uh, oftentimes our parents can be difficult to deal with. Uh, Sometimes... Sometimes our children are difficult to deal with. That, that happens as well. Sometimes uh, wives are difficult to deal with. Possibility is out there. Uh, sometimes husbands are difficult to deal with. Yes, and, and the women say, Amen to that! But we have these, we have these relationships. We deal with all uh, kinds of people. And people are magnificent. And people also are dangerous. Human beings are capable of of unbelievable kindness and love, sensitivity. And we're also capable of being rude, selfish, self-involved. In Jesus, in Luke 7, we see several different relationships that He deals with them. Now, the idea of looking at Jesus is built upon the concept is that if you want to be a child of God, Jesus is your role model of how to do it. And so, the value of looking at these is that you can look at how Jesus dealt with this situation or this person and how that happened in his life and how that might happen in your life. First of all, look at about the middle of the chapter in verse 33. Jesus here is actually uh, talking here about John the Baptist and himself. And he's making reference to what people say about him or about John the Baptist and him. And he, he says an interesting thing during this. In verse 33, he says, For John the Baptist came neither eating bread They're drinking wine, and you say he has a demon, meaning this crowd of people that are all around him. In other words, they they looked at John the Baptist and said, He's just a crazy guy. He's got a demon in him. Something wrong with him. The Son of Man, that's Jesus speaking of himself, came eating and drinking. So John the Baptist didn't, you know, eat normal food and didn't drink wine. Jesus comes and he's drinking. Uh, wine, and he's eating food, having a great time. So it says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and quote sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her children. So I think it's interesting to note that Jesus, Jesus says, I know what you guys are saying about me. And what you're saying about me is that I'm a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now when we hear that, we think, well, that's sort of a nice description. That's sort of a complimentary thing that they might say about Jesus. They were not saying this as a compliment. At all. This was not, oh, Jesus is a great guy and He's a friend of everybody. They're saying Jesus is a glutton and a, and, and a drinker and He hangs around with a rowdy crowd. He's a friend of tax collectors And sinners. And so in Jesus' day, He wasn't necessarily respected as we might look at Him and respect Him today. But go back to chapter 7 here, verse 1. Let's look at this first inner reaction and see who Jesus deals with and see if we can find some application for our life. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this, this is right after the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus had finished saying all this, in the hearing of the people, He entered Capernaum. There was a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this. Wow, that's quite a comment to say to Jesus. Because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Fascinating story here of Jesus and the centurion. Now, a centurion is, uh, by definition, a a soldier in charge of how many? A hundred, right? A centurion. Okay. (coughs) What do you think, and I'm open to your comments here, what do you think a typical Roman centurion was like? Scary, I think someone said. Bossy. Bossy. Authoritarian. Uh, probably authoritarian. Controlling. Yeah. Controlling. Controlling. Prideful. Prideful. Say ruthless. Ruthless. A killer. A killer. Intelligent. Probably intelligent. <laughs> Arrogant. Arrogant. Most Roman centurions, I think we probably would agree, would be someone that would be a bit on the, on the scale of being a pretty tough, rough person. Certainly not a believer in the God of, of the Jews, although he was stationed there in his military responsibility. Right? And so this guy, from the very beginning, when we get introduced to him and the information that Luke gives us here... He's not like a normal centurion. How do we know that? He's helping the local people who he probably, in a normal sense, a centurion looking upon the, the, the residents of that area, the Jews, they did not look at the Jews and say, oh, great people, great spot, wonderful place in the empire to be stationed. They were like, what in the world? Man, I am in the armpit of the Roman Empire. And you stuck me here with all these religious weirdos. These Jews. That's how they sort of viewed the Jews. But this guy's different. Apparently, he loves the people. And he helped them build their synagogue. And so from the very beginning, this guy's a little bit of a different guy. But it's an interesting story because at first he says, Well, I've heard of Jesus. Uh, why don't you guys go get him? Because my servant is dying. And I've heard that he heals people. And, and, and go get him so that he can help. And they say, okay. And so they went to go get him. They're bringing Jesus back. They told Jesus, hey, you, you, you know, you should come. You, you, you really should do this. You really should help this guy out. And Jesus apparently said, uh, great, fine. And so he goes along with them. And then another sort of entourage comes and says, hey, you don't even need to come. I know who you are. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. And here's his reasoning. He said, I understand the concept of authority because I'm a person that's under authority. What does that mean? That he's under authority. That means he has somebody over him, right? He says, I'm under authority. He's a centurion. He's got a commander over him. He says, I understand what it means that there's an authority over me and I understand because I am over these guys. I tell this one, come, and what does he do? He comes. I tell that one, go, and what does he do? He goes. I tell this one, I tell my servant, do this, and what does he do? He gets busy and he does it. He says, I understand the idea of authority. i got people over me I am over other people. I tell these people to do things and it gets done because I am the person in authority. He says, Jesus, I understand who you are. You don't have to come and physically be with my servant to heal him. Just say the word and it will be done. Now, what is Jesus' reaction to this guy? It's amazing. He says, a Roman centurion understands this? This is phenomenal! And he makes a comment that must have not been entirely well received by the Jews. He says, I tell you, I've not found such great faith in even in Israel! He says he understands faith more than you knuckleheads. And he was amazed at that guy. Now, I want us to go back to this idea of what a typical Roman centurion would have been like and what this guy's like. One of the things we see here with Jesus is that Jesus does not judge him by the standards of of what a a group would maybe be considered. We have a tendency as human beings to do this. How do we do that? Well, we say, well, you know, women. And then we go on and we say whatever we're going to say. Well, women are all this. Well, men, we're well, all like that, and people from USC, uh, they're all right, right. Of course, people from the South are like. When you gotta understand, you know, Latinos oh. Well we are, Asians are all like that. Oh. Now we all we also chuckle about this because we know that this is way more prevalent than than we want to admit, right? Yeah. And we do this sort of broad brush of this is what they are like. That kind of thing. The truth of the matter is the moment you do that, you're going to run into the centurion. Because the centurion is nothing like what a normal Roman centurion was like. He's a completely different person. Let me give you an insight here into Jesus that you can apply to your life. If you start looking at anybody in your life and the thought comes to your mind, I know who you are, I know what you think, I know where you're coming from because of the color of your skin, your heritage, how you look, where you went to school, where you live, what kind of car you drive, what your job is. Anything you start doing that, you are way off the base of where you should be if you're trying to live a Christian life. You're not even you're not even close to where you need to be. Jesus judged this guy based upon this guy and this guy alone. Now he was amazed at him. He was like, This guy is exceptional. He is incredible. And he makes that observation about him and he goes on. Okay, now let's look at this next story because it's, it's a completely different human story, but we see Jesus responding in a, in a great way. In verse uh, 11, it says, Soon afterwards, so not long after this event took place, we have another thing here. Jesus went to a town called Nain. Now there's no, nothing uh, spectacular about Nain, uh, then or now. Uh, actually, the city of Nain is still there. And it's still called Nain, interestingly enough. Uh, And you can see that if you go over there to that area of the world. Anyway, he's going to a city called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the coffin. Those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So does Jesus know this person? Evidently, no. Probably had not met her. But He comes upon the city, and and He comes upon the the circumstance there, and they're coming out of the city, and what does He see? He sees a funeral procession, right? And He knows what's going on, or someone fills Him in on what's going on, that this woman is a widow, in other words, her husband has has died, and, and this is her only son, And evidently he has died, and they're taking him out, and they are in the process of burying this boy. And what does it say that Jesus did about this situation? What does he do? How does he react? His heart went out to her. His heart went out to her. Doesn't know the woman, or the boy... But his heart goes out to her. Because he, she obviously is mourning and she's in a very difficult situation. His heart went out to her. He felt for her. He identified that she is she's going through a hard time right now. And he felt bad about it. It's very easy in our world today to become jaded. Yes. Distant. There's so much going on, and so many things that can be bad, and so many things that, that that uh maybe at one time or another bother us or did bother us more at one time or another, and all of a sudden things happen and, and we're no longer we're no longer bothered by it. Because we become more and more into ourself. Jesus' heart went out. To her. I want you to think right now in your mind, is there anyone in your life right now that your heart needs to go out to? That they've had a difficult time, they've had a difficult circumstance. This woman obviously went through a bad thing, right? There's all kinds of bad things that people go through in life. Is there someone in your life right now that your heart needs to go out to? Now, is Jesus manipulating? Does he get anything from this? Other than a reputation, he certainly gets a reputation because they say, Man, you can't believe what this guy's doing. He is phenomenal. This is simply Jesus cared. He let himself feel the pain. That she was going through. Compassion. This is one of the greatest things you can learn to do and to be in life. I, I don't totally understand what you're going through, but I want to. And I want to care because I know you're hurting. As opposed to just... Taking a step back. I mean, Jesus could have seen what was going on and and sort of moved around it. Avoided it. Instead, he goes and he goes right in there. It says, because his heart went out to her. You need to let your heart go out sometimes in life. Instead of guarding yourself and keeping yourself in. Okay, well, let's continue on in chapter 7. We just have one thing after another that comes on. Verse 18. John's disciples told Him all these things, and calling two of them, He sent them to the Lord to ask. So John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, tell Him all that Jesus is doing. Right? And, And so He sends them to Jesus. He says, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect somebody else? John the Baptist himself Seems to have some level of confusion. Are you what we're looking for, or are you sort of an inner between and is somebody else coming? And so John sends them to ask Jesus the question. Verse 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is a man who does not fall away on account of me. He says, go back and just basically say, John, hey, it's okay, bud, I'm the one. Don't get shook up. So he reassures John by what's going on. Now look at this as it goes on. After John's messengers had left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. He says, What did you go out to the desert to see? John had been preaching in the desert. What did you go out to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those uh, who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one in whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Man, he builds up John. He knows that John's going through a difficult time. And and John's not there at that time. But he talks to the people who are there and says, let me tell you something about John. I want to ask you, when's the time you did a good bit of bragging on one of your buddies? Bragging on your buddies. Now, John wasn't there. But Jesus is, is, is lifting him up and saying, John the Baptist... Is incredible! You know, oftentimes when we talk about our friends to other people, the things we say are not necessarily complimentary. You know what I'm talking about? He's not talking to John, he's talking about John, and he's saying things about John that are very, very, very encouraging. This is Jesus here, the master of relationships. And He is building John the Baptist up even when John the Baptist is not there. Impressive, wouldn't you say? Yeah. This is Jesus dealing with people and building him up even when they're not necessarily there. Do you think John the Baptist eventually heard what Jesus said about him? I'll bet he did. And how do you think John the Baptist felt when he knew that that Jesus was saying all this nice stuff about him behind his back? You think John felt pretty good? I think John felt great. How do you feel when you hear that somebody was talking about you to somebody else and they weren't saying complimentary things about you? Not good. Kick off. Right? Well, how dare they gossip about me? Well, do you think that Jesus was gossiping about John? He was talking about John. But He was saying complimentary things about John, right? Not bad things about John behind His back. Let me give you a good rule of thumb. If you've got something to say about somebody that's not complimentary, you need to say it to them. Or you need to shut up. Trying to make this very clear here. Didn't want to be misunderstood there, right? Because when you're talking to somebody else about somebody else, you are gossiping about them. And that's wrong. And we know that's wrong because of the scriptures, but we also know it's wrong because when someone does it to us and we hear about it, we feel terrible. Are you bad mouthing me behind my back? Dude, what's up with that? Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Or be quiet. Now, you know, we have to ask ourselves are we easy to talk to? That might be an issue. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell people what you'd like to tell them because you sort of know they're going to respond poorly if you say something to them. But Jesus here did a good job of building John up behind his back. Then you have this whole discussion that ends with uh, the the whole thing of, uh, you know, he says that John is this, but you say I'm a a glutton and a a drunkard and a, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. One last story to look at. Look at verse 36. Now... One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Wow, Jesus got invited over to people's homes. Sort of a neat thing, right? He got invited over dinner. And so he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. That's what they would do. They didn't sit at the table, they reclined at the table. So Jesus just sort of goes on in and he lays down, you know, and he's enjoying, uh, you know, whatever is going on in the Pharisee's house there. It says, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she, was, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping and she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So this woman is really being quite hospitable to Jesus. In the Pharisee's house. Yeah. Not her house. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself... This is a little inner dialogue here, that by way of the Scriptures we know what's going on. If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him... And what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Now let's just stop right here. We don't know what this woman did. But it seems to be (laughs) that he's at least got a strong opinion about it. Let's speculate. What had this woman done that had given her such a bad... Reputation What had she done? No one wants to say anything <laughs> Perhaps she was a local prostitute Adulteress perhaps We know of other stories uh, with that, that was an issue You think you could sort of describe this girl as the local party girl? Yeah. Maybe a little bit, you know, the party girl on steroids, you know. (laughs) And really, this is someone that had a reputation of being a sinner. Now, how do people get reputations? Sometimes you get a reputation because you're doing the things that they're accusing you of. Right? And you have a bad reputation because you have a bad reputation because you've been doing bad things. Now, sometimes you get a bad reputation because someone's been lying about you. Right? And they've been exaggerating things that they don't know what they're talking about and that kind of thing. Basically, you shouldn't be talking about people in that kind of ways anyway. But this, this woman right here, apparently, there doesn't seem to be any debate about whether it was true or not. But she's, you know, obviously ministering to Jesus here. And the Pharisee, the owner of the home, he's sort of blown away by this whole thing. He's like, wow, he must not know what she's done. Or he would never have allowed her to be involved at all. So he's aghast by this whole situation. And it's his house. He's probably like, Woman, what are you doing to my house? I invite him over here, you come in here and you hijacking the whole thing. Trying to have dinner here and, and, and you got the perfume out and you're crying and, and your hair long. I mean Geez. Verse 40. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. He he's probably like, Well, hallelujah, let's get the let's get the subject off this woman. And, uh, and, uh, he says, two men owed, uh, money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So 550. Only a circle difference, but it, it, you know, a zero difference, but it's a big, big zero right there. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which, which of them would love him more? This is one of those questions that if you can't get this one, you can't go to go and don't collect 200 points. I, you know, I mean, everybody can answer this one, right? This is an easy answer. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. Well, yeah. Yassi. I mean, come on. That was easy. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned Toward the woman, he turned toward the woman, he's looking at the woman, and he said to Simon. Do you see this woman? Jesus did, because he was looking right at her. I came into your house, yet you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, and she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then He said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How Simon the Pharisee treated this woman and how Jesus treated this woman are two completely different treatments, right? Simon didn't want her in a house. Simon was annoyed with her. He was bothered about the whole circumstance and thought, geez, woman, you're messing up everything. And Jesus saw that she had heart to have her sins forgiven. For many of us in this room, this woman is a description of who we were before we became Christians. If they would have taken a poll at J.D. Darnell Geneseo High School, who is the most likely in the class of 74 to become a minister? <laughs> Martin Lynn Fuquay would have been way down the list. I don't know where you have showed up on the list of your high school. Most likely to become a Christian. No. Most likely... Not. Yeah. <laughs> most likely to give their life to Christ. Nope. This woman was not the most likely in her neighborhood to become a Christian. Be a follower of Jesus. Yeah. The interesting thing sometimes about those who are the most wicked yeah. is they have the greatest understanding of forgiveness. Right? Right? And isn't that what Jesus says? Is that they really understand it. And they really appreciate it. Jesus loved this woman even though she was a sinner. Even though she had done some things she shouldn't have done. And and cared deeply for her. One of the problems that happens with people who are Christians for many, many years. And a lot of us in this room have been Christians for, for 10, 20 more years of our life is we struggle with our evangelism. We're like, well, I don't seem to have anybody that I'm studying the Bible with. I don't seem to have anybody that I'm reaching out to. I don't have anybody that, that I'm trying to help become a Christian. And you know the reason why that happens in our life? is because the longer you're a Christian, the people that are around you and that are, are surrounded uh, by you are, are uh, fellow Christians. And you have fewer and fewer non Christian relationships to reach out to. When you first became a Christian, it was easy to share your faith. It was like, yeah, all my friends, they're all lost. (laughs) Man, evangelism was easy. It was easy to bring someone to church. Invite someone to church. Everybody you knew needed to come to church. But see, after you a Christian 10, 20 years or beyond, you don't have that, that that ready, well... Why? Because most of the people you know are your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. And so you're then stymied. And, well, I, I don't have anybody to invite. I don't have anybody to, 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 to bring in or to ask what is going on in their life. And we've got to challenge ourselves to be what Jesus was. Jesus was a friend to tax collectors... And sinners. He didn't look at people in the world and say, Oh, yuck! Oh, I used to be like that! I'm so glad I'm not like that anymore! Right. Now, there's an element of that that perhaps and should be true. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. But let's make sure that we're more like Jesus and less like Simon. Yeah. Yes. Simon is annoyed with the sinful woman. Right. Jesus is helping the sinful woman. They say, well, Jesus spent the tax lessons sinners. So I mean Jesus is hanging out with the, the, the sinners all the time. Well, yeah, he's hanging out with the sinners, but let's make a, a note here that needs to be noted. He's not hanging out with the sinners, doing what the sinners are doing. He's not saying, Oh yeah, Friday night, where are my sinner friends? Now, Sunday, that's when I get with my Christian friends. I'm with my Christian friends now, and yeah, I feel better with my Christian friends. But man, I like Friday night too because I get to hang out with my non-Christian friends and hooligan friends and do what they're doing. <laughs> Jesus isn't hanging out with the sinners because he's bored with the saints. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not saying, man, my Christian friends, I put up with them on Sunday, but I really look forward to hanging out with my non-Christian friends. They're a lot more fun. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners because he wants to have an influence on the sinners to help them to get where they need to be in life. Well, we have covered chapter seven. I hope chapter seven has given you an insight into relationships. Okay, the relationship, Let's go back and think. Now, you know the, the centurion. How did he handle that? The woman who was in, in mourning. How did he handle that? How did he handle Simon the, the Pharisee? How did he handle the sinful woman? Jesus is always dealing with people. You and I are always dealing with people. Hopefully, looking at Jesus. You know, as, as Hebrews twelve says, fix your eyes on Jesus. If we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can see okay. I think I've got a role model here of how to handle this relationship. I've got a role model here of how to handle that circumstance that's going on in my life. People are magnificent. People are also difficult. Jesus was the master of dealing with people. I hope our study this morning has been helpful for you. God bless and have a great week.